After one of my fellow teachers lost his mind and went off on a group of students outside of their school in China, one of the students asked, why does he work here if he hates Chinese people so much? Hearing this story the next day, it made me think. I'm sure he, who is in a relationship with a Chinese woman, can't hate Chinese people. Then upon further reflection, I began to wonder about all of the other foreigners living in China and how they have similar tales on what really bothers them about Chinese people. I coupled that notion with the idea that most teachers last about two to three years in China before they must get out. I wondered, what would make someone who wanted to live in China want to leave in such a short amount of time? So I and my wife began to create our own independent lists. As we went through our days, we kept our phones handy so we could jot down whatever bothered us about being in China. Our lists are still growing and we've decided to share them with you. definitely speak louder because you have a loud thing behind you yeah. that is pumping out um, a lot of noise. And cool air, but... But it's the noise that's the problem. Okay. And that noise is going straight into your microphone. Okay. okay. Alright. Here we are. Back again to talk I think we realized today that you, the people out there in the world, don't know who we are. So, my name is Aaron. I'm Karen. We are the Traveling Fars, along with our children who are actually traveling right now on their way back to China. And... I can't even wait for them to get back. Yes, you're going to explode. Ten weeks is the longest ever we've been apart. Before that, it was three days. Trust me, it'll get longer. Shh, I'm not so, ready. <clears throat> um, traveling Fars, that's us, all four of us. And uh, we are... Uh, trying to document all of our stuff for you guys and in the lists we have been trying to go through our go through this crazy list of uh, trying to examine or trying to understand why Westerners end up disliking Chinese people after living in China so before we start with our list today um, Karen wants to tell you about how we really feel. We don't hate China. We don't hate Chinese people. In fact, I I love it here. I love the freedom that we have. I 
like the fact that there's always somebody random strangers willing to help you they're kind they're friendly sometimes they're too friendly but they're really as individuals they're great it's sometimes the the collective that pushes us over the edge and it's the collection of unfortunate events that makes a teacher or makes a foreigner snap Anything you want to add? Uh, no. This was, this was something that was on your mind. You wanted to make sure that the people knew that we really didn't hate Chinese people. But uh, I guess if I'm going to add anything, it will be the caveat that there are many Westerners that do come here and do end up hating Chinese oh, people. Oh, absolutely. That, but that's just not how we feel. Correct. But we have these lists. And the lists are identifying actual things. Actual reasons. Well, actual things that we don't like. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think it is these these things in their entirety or some critical mass gets reached. And that's the reason why. Yeah. Uh, of... Westerner basically kind of loses our mind. Like we had a friend that was um, here for two years, and uh, honestly, uh, through the the second end of the second year, uh, well, halfway through the the second year, he was literally leaving town almost on a weekly basis <laughs> because he could not deal with the people. Here and he wasn't just trying... leaving town, he was leaving the country. Well, it depended. He sometimes he left the country, sometimes he went to Hong Kong, sometimes he went to Shenzhen. Yeah, but he Shenzhen... was getting out of this town. Yeah, and he <clears throat> felt that the town was backwards and slow, and all of, kind of all of the things that we are, are slowly identifying. But I kept trying to get him to see was. He was in a nice place. Right. And he didn't get that. He didn't understand that because he right. kept comparing this area in Guangdong province, which we're in the in Foshan. So this area, and he was comparing it to the more Western places. So as you go to Shenzhen, which is further south, that's a little more Western. Or then you go to Guangzhou. Hong Kong, and that's even more Western. Yep. So he was actually comparing this place to those places. And I kept trying to tell him, well, you know, you should you should probably be kind of happy because if you had to go where we've gone, right, right, you, you right. might actually have real reason potentially Except, to be angry. To be fair, I enjoyed my time more in the smaller city where the donkeys parked next to the Porsche than I did in any of these big cities we've been in. I know, but we've been Okay. We lost we lost our uh, we lost our audio for a second there. So I don't I don't know why. But okay. What was I saying? We were in Shenzhen for a weekend, and we've never been to yeah, Foshan. Yeah, we've never been to Foshan. So, I don't know. Um, 
I'm. Oh God, that's. Huh? Now you're gonna have out. to compete with. Now I gotta compete with the fan. From your monster laptop. Oh, it's okay. Um. So anyway, let's. There, there are a lot of things that I truly enjoy about being in China. There are things I don't, but there are things I do, which is why we made the, the choice to come back after being away for two years. Right. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that what is... What we're identifying, a lot of people let build up over time. They get angry and then they just, they just got to get out and they just got to leave. And I think it's unfortunate. I think some people just learn and they just accept it. So then they don't fight it anymore. And they call that being happy in China while they know for a fact that the things and the way they're living is not really all that good but right. they they've just accepted it they've accepted you know that you know how a business is going to run or how people are going to behave they've just they've just said okay that's fine we'll just deal with that and i i think for for younger people today um, they're they're kind of like fed up. Like they're like, no, we're not gonna do that. Right. Um, I do notice it more with the younger, the younger foreigners that they tend to snap way faster than the older ones do. I mean, we're pretty laid back. It, things still bother us, but we're pretty laid back compared to even someone who's thirty. You know, we're not that. Yeah. We're in our 40s, and to ha to watch these young people that are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they just are constantly miserable and complaining, and and maybe some of that misery is because they don't really have a way to express it. You and I can talk about it. We can share it with the kids. We can we do this. It's kind of like a therapy, but they just hold on to it and then it builds and builds and builds before they lose their minds and start ranting at students outside of the bus. Yeah, exactly. And I I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be the the guy who has to administer the gripe session from the foreigners because honestly, uh, it would all sound the same. But then when you start saying, Okay, then how can we address these things I think that's where the big problem comes in. That's the problem that I have with, say, my company or my, or the school I'm in. Because you can identify the problems all day, but you will not get cooperation in fixing those problems from the Chinese people. And that is, it's like, becomes the last straw. Right. You know, because then you're like, okay... We all know that this is not working. We all know that there's these issues. We're willing to work with you. We're willing to be patient, but then you're not willing to really find out where the problems are, fix, actually fix the problems, because problem resolution's not a thing, and actually fix the problems, and then we move forward 
realizing, especially in education, there will be new problems. You don't mm -hmm. solve all the problems. You just, you solve these, this set, next year, you're gonna have a whole new set of issues and things that you've gotta deal with, and then you deal with those in a similar fashion, and you keep doing that for the life of a person at any particular company. But we do that in the West, and that's just part of our thing. I mean, that's why we have human resources departments, right. not a human resources person. We have people that are that have gone to school that understand the business that is being done, the roles of the people that are there, and then they are there to mediate between right. management and yes. those people, making sure everybody's on the same page, that, that any concerns can be voiced, heard, and then reacted to in right. some way, shape or form in a constructive manner. That is not what happens with the companies here in China. No. Because they don't have that, as far as I know, they don't have a system like that to then, even if the person says, oh, I went to school for human resources, they don't have a resources department, human resources department, for that person to even be working well, in. Well, nor, I wonder whether human resources education in like entails because they have absolutely no concept in the workplace of how how to even handle situations i mean your assistant is supposed to have graduated with a degree in human resources and the child can't do a thing no he has no he has very little understanding of what we mean when we say human resources it's it's got to be it's got to be something different i mean it can't be the same it can't be the same education. Uh, I no, have more human resources education human. just from taking early childhood classes. I, I, I honestly believe my first job was at McDonald's, flip, literally flipping burgers. And I had more human resources understanding after that job than he had, has exhibited over the last year and a half. Right, and that was um, at age 14. Right, and that was at age 14. So I, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I can't, like I said I, before, I'm not trying to fix Chinese people, but, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are. So no, we don't hate the Chinese people. No, Chinese people shouldn't feel bad about the things that we're saying, but they should listen, especially if they're young. Right. If they're in high school now and they're listening to our podcast about China and about how Westerners feel about chi being in China and dealing with Chinese people, oh, they should probably be taking notes because <laughs> yeah. honestly, they're, if they understood the cultural differences, the cultural expectations Right. That would then help them a ton when they came back to China and they had that one or two or ten different foreigners that are going to be a part of their company. And they would they would be able to meet the needs of those people and be constructive at the same time. Right. But that would take... It would take some... some 
time and learning and mm, yeah. being attentive to what's going on around them. It can't. You cannot do this process and be selfish. It just doesn't work. Right. So. I think Elaine needs to teach a master class of how to work with foreigners. Because Elaine is our is my best friend in China. She was my Chinese co-teacher when we taught in Benxi. And she has an amazing understanding of how to work with and work for the foreigner's benefit as well as the Chinese student benefit. And this woman has never left the country. But she just has a phenomenal grasp of how we think and how we work as foreigners. It really doesn't take all that much because, honestly, people will tell you what they need. We're pretty honest. Like, uh, but that's and I think that in itself, that one word, honest. We're honest. Most Chinese people are not honest with us. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we come to the table with honesty, like I did this year. We come to the table with honesty. They come to the table with nice words, empty rhetoric. Oh, thank you for giving me a have, job. But then you have no. I'm talking about the Chinese people with to me. Oh, and then yeah, they and sense. then you don't. You get you get. What is there to fix then? You see, there's right. nothing to fix if if. Oh yeah, I know that this is a bad thing. Yeah, you should probably know your schedule before school starts. <laughs> you know, oh, we know that this is a bad thing, but it's now January and you still don't have a schedule. School started in September, so you don't know when this term ends and you don't know when the next term begins and you don't know when the next term ends. No, you're not going to know when midterms and finals are. No, you're not going to know about the big things. That's that that's where the problem comes in. So then they will they will say, yes, you're right. You should have this thing. But then the year goes by and you still don't have it. Right. So they're they're not really committed to fixing it. No. It's literally in one ear and out the other type situation. Well, it's it's save face while sitting at the table, but still do nothing. And I yeah. think uh, the idea, I want to do a thing. I go and ask for permission. I go and ask and find out all the information I can. I ask all the questions prior to doing anything. They usually don't ask anything. Nope. And then ask for forgiveness on the back end. And see, I don't, I choose not to live that way. And I know many Westerners that have worked in corporate America aren't going to do that because that's literally how you get fired. Really? Truly? You know, if you would have just asked the question, should we have this thing or should we do this thing or should we use this color? And if someone had a problem, they could have told you and you could have, you could have changed your procedure and then moved on. Well, see, they don't do that. They just bump up against the wall and as soon as they hit the wall, they just change direction and then go another direction. Until they bump another and, wall. Until they bump another wall. Or they, you know, get knocked down and crawl into a hole. And then go along that path. Right. You know, and unfortunately, 
because we don't work the same when it comes to stuff like that, I think that's that's why we end up being so angry. So, no, don't hate Chinese people. No, don't hate uh, China yet. I don't hate right. China. I love it here. But I also have a, the luxury of... I have a luxury lifestyle that we could not afford living in the United States, even with both of us having full-time jobs, we still couldn't live the way we do here. So, which guy on your list? I'm going to skip a couple. Why are you skipping? Well, just because. Um, so, I'm going to go to my number 10 today. And I have stop shoving your children at us so that you can prove you have money for English lessons. Okay. This happens all the time. All the time. Every day, Every everywhere, day. people will approach us with their child, the young child in tow, and the child is petrified because we're strangers and we don't speak their language as far as they know. And the parents are pushing at them to say hello. Okay, when you say pushing at, describe what that looks Literally like. Literally shoving the child in our direction, pushing and and nudging and dragging the child to us and then forcing the child to say, hello, my name is blah, blah, blah. If the child can say more, the parents will force them to say more. I'm, you know, seven years old and... I go to this school. They do this everywhere. Yeah, they do. Everywhere. We were in Hong Kong and we had, you guys were off, you and DCAM were off looking at the statues and I'm sitting waiting for you and I had a lady come over to ask if she could take a picture with me and when I mistakenly answered in Chinese that she could, the next thing you know, she's dragging her son over. Little guy probably was no more than six. Dragging her son over so he could talk to me and get his picture taken with the foreigner. And her husband was telling me how fat I was and how beautiful my skin was. And the little boy is expected to then, you know, say that stuff in English. He's got to be six. But this happens every single day. Mm-hmm. This is why I wear my headphones. This is why I don't make eye contact. Now, I, th I think it's funny because we're in a weird catch-22 because when we're in class, we're always telling the students, oh, if you see a foreigner, you should go to him and talk to him. I never say that. but well, I, deal I do, with, but I have you older, have older, older kids. students. I have little people. Right. So I don't tell my littles that. But we try to get them to see that Foreigners are people too, and to to hopefully get them to feel a, a little more. It's hard to be comfortable with strangers, but to more be confident. a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident with with striking up a conversation using those conversation skills that we're trying to teach them. So it's like. Yeah, I, I, when I'm walking around, do I want to go through that? No, I don't. I absolutely don't. Um, 
I just want to listen to my music or get ready for school or whatever it is I'm doing. Um, but there's there's not what you can do when the parent is literally. I mean, sometimes I just walk away. I just like act like I don't understand what they're doing, um, because if you <laughs> if you if you engage with that behavior, they're going to keep doing it, and it's that behavior that is detrimental. Right. I've had people that they tried to push their kids at me, and the kid was actually scared of me. Right. It wasn't just stranger. I mean, they looked and they like started to cry. It's like I'm not going to stand there for that, you know. So, well, developmentally, you know. it's very horrible. Like right. for these young children, you know, you're trying to get them, encourage them to speak another language, which I love the fact that they started early. I love that they're having English classes early, but to force them then to speak to a stranger. Speaking to their teacher is one thing. Speaking to other teachers in their school is an, is one thing. But to come up to some random stranger that doesn't look like they're Chinese and start to speak English to them or force your child to do that, it is very damaging to them. I mean, we've had people bring their entire group of kids up to us at dinner. Yeah. Yep. And then they got to go around the horn like you're in class. Because that's all they know to do. It's not natural at all. It's definitely forced. And then, you know, it's like the guy who screams hello while riding his bike and right. then hits the tree. You know, you just... Or the woman who's gawking and falls off the ledge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's something that has it's bothered me since day one. I took it, when we first came... It was a little bit of a culture shock thing, like, wow, they do this to their kids. But now I'm like, stop doing this to their kid, to your children. This is not healthy for them. Okay. Are, are, are you done? I'm done because I've could... got I've got one that goes it dovetails perfectly. All right, let's hear with it. what you're talking about. These two essentially go together okay and they go along with what you were talking about uh-huh so i have children who point at you and their parents who allow it and smile or laugh so you get the whole pointing thing and yep. and <coughs> i had a I, I had a child uh just yesterday when we were you were waiting for your watermelon to get chopped up yeah and he walked out of the store and was standing there pointing at me, giggling and pointing. And so then I took out my phone and I started taking pictures of him. Right. And they then don't he got like on that. his bike and fell down. Right. So it was like, wow, karma works fast in China. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So that's, that's, that's one. Uh-huh. The other one that goes with both of those things. Yes. Parenting is non-existent. Oh, oh my gosh! You really got there. You go. I'm oh. done. I'm oh. out. I'll oh. see you guys later. Oh my and, gosh! And I'll make sure I turn <clears throat> down the microphone because Karen's about to act a fool. Oh my gosh! 
the lack of parenting, the non-existent parenting in this country is going to be its fatal flaw. The fact that these people are forced to have children when they don't want them just so that their parents could then raise a child another child is disgusting disrespectful it is just maddening but here's what's worse the couple young couple is forced to get married and they don't really they aren't really ready but they're made to get married one year after they get married they're told the woman is told okay it's time to take time off work now to get pregnant She's not ready to have a baby. She may not even want to have a baby, but she has no choice. So here this woman goes home and she gets pregnant and she sits in her apartment for a year because God forbid she'd do anything. And then she has the baby and she doesn't know what to do. They don't take any parenting classes. They don't know and they don't have any expectations because as a child, it was only them. They never had to share because of little emperor syndrome. And now they've got this infant and they don't know what to do with it. It's crying, it won't go to sleep, it won't stop moving. They physically abuse their infants. I can I promise you. <laughs> I am convinced that every single child, every single adult in China suffers from shaken baby syndrome. I have watched parents physically shake their children, smack their infants. We were we were in the train station and there was a little three or four month old baby with a train ticket chewing on it as they would, cause let's face it, that's what babies do. And I watched both of the parents smacking the child. To, tell, to get him to stop sucking on the, the train ticket. Who in their right mind hits a child? An infant. Take the item away and give him something else. But you don't hit him. But they have no concept how to parent. They don't talk to their children. They scream at them. They don't show them things. They tell them. I've never seen a mother coddle a child that falls and gets hurt. If a child starts crying, they just walk away from it. Literally in the middle of all these millions of people, they just walk away from their child. Oh. I say this as I'm stressing out that my children are about to fly 16 hours across the world. Again. Again. I can't, as someone who studied child development, as someone who has always wanted to be a parent, it is disheartening and disturbing to watch the things that go on here. Children have no boundaries. The only way they learn a boundary is when someone beats the hell out of them because they crossed it. And when it comes to boundaries with foreigners, there are no boundaries. They are allowed to point, spit, hit, kick, pull hair, and they, the Chinese teacher or headmaster will say, oh, they just really like you. Really? This child just headbutted me in the stomach to show me how much he likes me? What the hell kind of bullshit is Isn't that? Isn't that normal? What? Aaron. 
Isn't that what you do when you like people? I mean, it's what it's what teenagers or, or maybe preteens if, do. Maybe if you're a baby goat. <laughs> that's a kid, right? And that's why I don't call them kids. They're children. They're uh. little people. Okay, I know you have dad stuff in there, so go for it. No, I, 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 this was just a general observation for me. This was, this was definitely not a, uh, something that I was angry about. It was just observing parenting because. There's no parenting. There is just not here. They don't parent. Um, unfortunately, um, students are raised by their teachers. FYI, that's my number nine. Yeah. Teachers should not be the parents of your children. I think I actually have. I have some of these, but mine says, um, here, it's my number 14. Sending your five-year-old to live in school in an unsupervised, unsupported environment is criminal. But it's not unsupervised. It is too. No, no, no. Aaron. Not when you have dorm teachers. Aaron. These children, these five-year-old children are put into a room with other five-year-old children. They close and lock the door and the adult leaves. They come and unlock the door and let the children out when it's time to get up. I would have children come in from lunch. I'd be their first class after lunch and these babies would be crying for their mama or for their grannies. And you know what the teachers did? Nothing. Nothing. They let these children, one would start crying. And I'd say, you know, what's the matter? And he would say he missed his mama. And then the next thing you know, another one would start crying and another one. And before you know it, you've got 36 kids bawling their eyes out because maybe, they miss their parents. Maybe they're just crying because you acknowledge the fact that one was crying so the other ones want to cry no. too. No. No. Maybe that's the problem. There are some that, you know, there's some that always try to fight it. But they're, you know, you can see it on their faces that they're really just, they need that love and affection. These... People don't get, they don't get the physical affection that they need. They don't get the guidance and encouragement and support that they need to grow into healthy, well-balanced adults. The selfishness that is in this country, in the adults, the selfishness and the greed stems from the lack of parenting. But that's what the teachers are for. Teachers aren't... Okay. Oh, my gosh. Now we're really... I got to move my body even. Uh-oh. You cannot expect a 24-year-old single teacher who has no experience outside of a classroom with other adults to parent your child. Sure you can. You can that's expect... That's why they are failing, failing, failing. Some of these children are sociopathic. Sometimes. They are just, it is scary. And all of it boils down to the fact that they were never given limitations. They were never given guidance. They were smacked all the time. They were kicked all the time. They were beaten all the time. FYI, corporal punishment is still a part of the 
elementary, middle school life of many children in China. That is not something that has gone anywhere. That is definitely a part. I think we talked about that before. Um, but a you know a large bamboo stick is definitely uh, something that is used in the classroom, or it's at least available. Or you have a ruler. Rulers or the teachers fun. just literally kick the ch- children. Right. Like I've watched that. I physically have watched them batter these students. And as a foreigner, the first thing that comes to my mind was, oh, my God, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's someone else's child. You don't hit someone else's child. Hell, I don't even hit my own children. Yeah, that's that newfangled parenting. But, yes, parenting in China, um, I... uh, Anybody out there who loves to teach about uh, teach adults how to deal with their uh, their their children, you could probably become a millionaire in China after they realize that what they're doing does not work. Um, I would say after studying Confucius and having a, a student in my class who was the descendant of Confucius um, this year. I, I, I get what they're, what they're doing. I get that as a country, they are utilizing the grandparent to be the early parent. And after that grandparent does their job, allowing the parents to then go to work, the school is then charged. The educational system is charged with teaching the child what they need to know. But here's the problem. The school is not equipped to teach the child what they need to know as far as being a human being. Um, I had a running joke this year with my class. um, Just asking them, are Chinese people human? Because a lot of times they will separate themselves in their language from the rest of humanity. I can't do this. Why can't you do it? Because I'm Chinese. Right. Is the answer. So I would treat it like being Chinese was a a different version of humanity. But then all year long we would be finding out that that just was not true that they were um actually a part of the human family tree they're actually a part of that they are not set apart and i think breaking down some of those historical uh wrongs yeah and then culturally saying you know Look at what's happening. Why would you? I would, I mean, I would just, I would use different examples that I saw every day and bring them into the classroom so that the students could sit back and go, have them questioning and thinking. So something like a baby picks up something, the mother takes it away, the baby begins to cry, the mother beats the child for crying to make it stop crying, and the baby cries more. 
how does that make sense? It doesn't. And a lot of them experienced it. And of they course. don't understand why their parents did it. These people who told them, that's the key, told them that they loved them. These people that told them that they had a duty to them to help them be productive adults in the in the society. Okay? But these same people beat them to make them stop crying. And they are fairly successful at it. So it's 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 really important for us to understand that this is not something that they're going to ever be able to get over anytime soon. No, but it's going it to take definitely generations and yeah, generations absolutely. and generations. It's, gonna, it's got it. They've got to, they've got to, I mean, and maybe, maybe with having more than one child, maybe this will give them an understanding because they'll have one child and then they might, the grandparents might be around for that child, but then that second child, maybe the grandparents are not. Right. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be faced with having to do the same thing that everybody else in the world does. Learn how to be a parent. Learn from each other, talk yeah. to each other, have different groups. I mean, right now, you take a, you take a group of people who are supposed to be, say, watching over some children, and they will literally turn their backs on the children and they will engage with each other as adults and they forget where or how or who those children are for the time. You just sit there and watch them just totally disregard the fact that the children were even there with them. Then yep. all of a sudden, they look around like, where did that child go? Right, like a child, like a toddler is going to stay put. Exactly. It's like a, the basic understanding of... of say child development, child psychology, all of that stuff, we'll see they're not using any of that. So But in the same token, they will restrict a child to the point where they may just stay put. You know, if the child is old enough and the granny says, sit there and don't move or else if granny's beat them enough as a toddler, they might just sit there. And they would never consider moving or, you know, right. What I see now with these, the really young ones, they are so defiant. The, I couldn't even imagine. Cedric the Entertainer plays over and over in my head. I have Bernie Mac on a loop in my head when I see some of the behavior these children do. And they get away with it. That's, the, that's where it's the most detrimental. Is you have these kids, one's riding a bike, the other one thinks it would be funny to knock him off. The one who ri is riding hits his head and is now bleeding. The one who knocked him off is standing there laughing and there will be no consequences for that child who injured the other one. Yeah. The parents may have consequences. The parents may have to pay for the child's hospital bill or buy him a new bike, but that child will have absolutely no consequences whatsoever. And consequences are vital. Yeah. I don't believe in hitting a child, 
but I definitely believe in following through when you've given an instruction or a consequence. If you do this, this will happen. If you test me, this will happen. Our children know if mommy says it, it will happen. Yes, but they they know that if you say it, it's going to happen because they've had so much proof that right. you've said it and it happened. So that they've learned. Yes. They've been conditioned yep. that way. I remember telling them a story about I had twins in the classroom and they were actually the only foreign students in the classroom. And I had given them the one in, in instruction and she was just ignoring me. And I said, if you do not follow this, if you do not do your work, I'm going to take you down and sit you at your mother's desk because her mother was my co-teacher. And she didn't believe me. And when I was telling Erin and Keegan about it, they both laughed and said, well, if she didn't believe her, believe you, that was her first mistake. Because if you say it, you're going to do it. But after I took her back to, or took her down to her mother's desk, none of the other students questioned it again because they saw that there was a consequence for their behavior. But that's... Uh, but that's the parent... That's, that's how, the teacher that's parenting. parenting. That's how you learn. That's, you, you have to know where where is the line and you know that if you cross it, this is going to happen. If you don't cross it, then maybe nothing happens. But you, you know where the, the boundaries are for your behavior. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you have students in class and all of a sudden one of them wants to be like, fuck. Yeah. And you kind of look at them and go, why did you just say that? Right. And they don't, they, they honestly, English being a second language, they may know it, what it means, say, from their point of view, but not really understanding what's going on there and why they shouldn't say it. And right. if I, if you were a teacher and you just flew off the handle and just started yelling at the child, well, you'd be an idiot in this context. Right. But for the most part, yeah, I end up, you know, looking at them and saying that's inappropriate for the classroom. So now that rule is there for everybody that this is not something you do right in this space, yep. you know, but then their Chinese teacher walks in and you hear as you're walking away that they're screaming, whatever it is that you and the Chinese teacher doesn't do anything. Right. Um, so it's like, you gotta have boundaries. You gotta create limits. But that's but what that's they all don't get. Parent, but that's all parenting. Well, now, here's the problem that I have. Okay. Is that we're talking about parenting, but these kids are at school right. starting at Sunday night and coming home maybe Friday afternoon, maybe Saturday. So when they, is the parenting supposed to be done? They because do that when so they, they don't come have to home, parent. When they come home, yep. uh, 
the parents throw them into some class. Yes. So, and that class could last anywhere from an hour to four or five. Right. And they might have more than one class. Right. Like Moon, she's here for two hours on Saturday, and then she has a math class for three hours after, and she has some dance class that she does or some art class that she does, and she has one day a week at home. Right. So when is when is a parent, one, how does a parent become good at parenting when you're not parenting? Right. Um, I, I mean, a lot of what parenting is, is, is learning learning how to be a parent early on and then building upon that that knowledge for the rest of your for the rest of your life as a parent so okay you're going through a learning process just like the child is but these parents i mean i at my school they've got first grade through finishing high school boarding right you know, they're yeah. all boarding. So it's like these parents literally and and these a lot of these kids, uh, they don't they don't. I mean, there's a few that do live right here in the same complex as us. And they, you know, come home every day. But but they're not coming home to their parent. They're coming home to their grandparents. Well, that's a whole nother issue, because a lot of times you're right. Uh, the parents are. Um, other cities in or? another city another province yeah. I, I i mean we've we've met kids that uh, uh well we have we had one or two that on the weekend here they didn't go home oh they went to a they went to different hotels in guangzhou and guess where they're from where guangzhou why wouldn't they go home their parents didn't want them at home Oh, so they were horrible. just paying for them to be in different hotels. What kind of... See, don't know. I'm going to take a breath. You I'm see? I'm going to take a breath. So, I mean, parent, like I said, you can't, you're not going to be a good parent unless you learn how to parent and, and nobody starts out being a good parent when they've got that baby in front of them. No, but we're all brand spanking if, new. If you... Take the time to learn about children, what to ex actually expect from them, right? what they're going to do as just being human beings. Yep. If you do that, well, then you don't yell at a child for not, you know, say rolling over. You don't get worried that the child's not walking yet. You know, if you have an understanding of what the what children do and the time that it may take for those things to happen now extrapolate that across years and say uh being a toddler being a tween being a teenager all of a sudden you're not gonna bang your head against the wall because you had to say something 10 times to a teenager that's just the teenage brain it's just how it works right it reverts back to a two-year-old exactly no and it's, that's not true a teenage boy's brain is about the same Let's speed as the sexist. two. Don't be sexist. I'm not being sexist. It's the truth. I don't know if that's true. It sounds like you're being a little sexist. Listen, there. if I say something to a 13-year-old girl, she is going to do it without having been told more than once. I don't think that's true. If I tell a 15-year-old boy to do something, 
I might have to say it six or seven times. No, no, before. you. I, I'm totally with you with the six or seven times, but there are girls that you got to say it six or seven times too because they just don't want to do it. Okay, there's a difference between making a choice and then. Say that again. I said there's a difference between making a choice not to follow direction and being a teenage boy who's who it just doesn't click. Like, if I didn't have you to say, well, this is how boys work. This, how, this is a teenager. I probably would, like, try to bash my head against the wall every day because I get frustrated that at 10 I could say, you know, once or twice, hey, go do this. And they would just get up and do it. But now I have to say five or six or seven times, dude, get up and do this. Before he's like, oh, yeah, I need to go do this. What was it I needed to do? And if I didn't have you to say, hey, this is how, this is how teenagers work, it's I might teenage. be crazy. It's what, what you got to do in the classroom. Right. How many times you got to tell a kid that they should be studying and not playing with the fidget spinner or not, you know, bouncing the basketball or not, you know, playing grab ass with their buddies or whatever. What? Grab ass? Yeah, with yeah. Their, they, with uh, the boys? In, 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 in America, grab ass is usually played with those who you're... Um, sexually attracted to yeah in china that's usually stays within the sexes so grab ass is between boys because girls don't play grab ass um no i i haven't really i haven't really seen that among the girls that that they behave in such a vulgar, uncouth manner. Whatever, it's just how the boys behave, but No, no, I just haven't seen I haven't seen it among the girls. I've seen it among the boys and they you know, they grab each other. I don't know I don't know why they grab each other's butts though. I don't get that. That's um, a little weird. I keep trying to tell them that they should not do that if they leave the country. Um, because that would be a bad idea. Yeah, very, very. They're gonna get a reaction that that is going to be pretty, pretty over the top. Um, unless they grab a gay guy's butt, and then they're really in trouble. And because if they they don't swing that direction, then they set themselves. Yeah, up. I don't. I, I I have no idea where which direction any of these people swing. Um, but parenting. I mean, I, I know we've gotten stuff, questions about people wanting something about parenting. So we'll probably do something that, that is parenting in a, an actual Western context, not, not a Chinese context, because honestly, it, it really does not exist. Right. Um, so I, I, what happens here is is usually just kind of based on what what has been done, whether it worked or not. There, there, that that science of that that we're speaking of, that intellectualizing uh, child rearing, has not gotten here yet. No, you know, we start doing things like that with our Lamaze classes. Right. You know, where we're thinking well, about development and all of those things. It's even before that. Be because the minute a woman goes to her doctor and they say, yes, she's pregnant, here's a book. Well, but see, not everybody goes that route. That was, that's truly an intellectual exercise. Most people do not read the book. Most people do not even probably even 
have ever opened the book. What? What no. you say? Most people, most people, most Americans do what they do in parenting because of what their parents did to them. Well, I wanted to go completely the opposite, so I read everything and asked everybody because I didn't want to parent the way my parents did. I mean, that's great, but that's not the common wisdom in America. That's true. That's so, true. We'll we'll have to we'll have to address some parenting things. So, if anybody has anything that they need to need to understand or want to talk about or or hear hear two people talk about, send it to us because honestly, it parenting parenting is truly not rocket science it's just some basic really basic ideas that if you hold true to them parenting can be so much easier and it can be fun but if you make it a chore it will be a chore for the rest of your life and it, right. it, it, you'll you know resent your children and, and nobody wants to go down that road no and I can honestly say as a stay-home mom for most of their lives and a homeschooling parent, I absolutely love spending every second with them. I never feel like I want a vacation from the kids or I need a break from the children or, you know, I just need to get away from them. I've, I don't feel that way because I enjoy being with them as their mother. I'm not their friend, but I'm their mother, but I enjoy being with them and spending time with them. That's nice. I know. I'm weird. Most parents are like, oh, I can't wait for school to go, go back. But I used to cry because the kids had to go back to school. And, and then I would drop them off at school the first day and cry all the way home. Or I would just never leave the school. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. What should parents do with school? Anyway, um, FYI, parents are, for the most part, not even allowed in the schools in China. That's true. They have to stand outside of the gate, and the child has to go meet them at the gate. They cannot come in. So. And these parents pay a lot of money. You know, I don't. I don't even. I don't even care about the money thing. As a teacher, I would love to have uh, parents come into the classroom and see what their child is doing. Especially oh, yeah. in high school. I would love for parents to come in. But the problem with that is the parents usually come in and then they sit and they become the student that they were when they were in high school. Meaning they will not engage. They don't talk. They don't move. They sit still. They don't ask questions. And they become everything that you're trying to tell your students, their children, not to be. And then... The students turn into statues. It's terrible. And so then, you know, because they don't want to, they think they're going to embarrass their parent or something. And when you walk in and say, hey, so-and-so, why are you, why are you sitting there so straight up and down? Like, why, who are you? Why are you doing this? And they kind of look at you like, don't, 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 don't single me out. Don't, don't bust don't, me don't, out. Don't man. talk don't to me. me out. Just, 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 just go away. And then you're like. But you talk to me every day. You're like the only student in the whole class that comes in like talks and we talk about basketball and all of these things. But today, because your mother is sitting back there, you don't move, you know, and it's that that 
dishonesty that is perpetuated it and and I think that that's where it becomes really really bad because the expectations of students the expectations of teenagers or of younger children by their parents by their grandparents is truly detrimental to their growth as a country. Yeah. You see, because they're they're essentially handicapped when they get out of high school. When yeah. we graduate high school, I would say we were we are not good at it, but when we graduate high school, we could get a job, probably have a car. We've probably already been driving for at least two years. Yes. Prior to graduating high school. And we've already had jobs. We've already had jobs. Right. So that means we could go out, find a job, as long as it paid paid our bills or paid enough or, you know, got us close, we could we could have a place to stay. We could rent it. Right. We are equipped for the world outside of our parents' homes. Right. We can when wash we the laundry. Leave high we can school. cook the food. We can I know a child... Driving. He's still not equipped for that. And he's 20, mid 20s, 25, mid 20s. Can't do any of those things without going to his. He has no place to live. He either lives at his parents or he lives at the uh, apartment provided by the school. He has nowhere to live. He has no car. He has no, no, he has money. He has lots of money because he doesn't have any bills. But he has money because the. Saving money is a thing. Right. So he has the money, but he doesn't have the wherewithal or the understanding of how to use that money. Well, also, part of this part of this parenting thing is the parents want to control every single aspect of the child. So they don't really teach them anything. They just make them dependent upon them. So you have these kids who get to college... And they've never dated because it was against the rules. It was against the rule for the school. It was against the rule for the parents. But then they want them to be married by 21, 22 years old. And they they aren't equipped. They aren't equipped socially or developmentally. Or they just aren't equipped as an adult. They're still this 18, 19 year old person is no more equipped than a 10-year-old. And I would I would probably wager that our 10-year-olds, American 10-year-olds, Western 10-year-olds, are more equipped than a 20-year-old Chinese person. Probably. Especially when it comes to taking care of yourself, uh, laundry, dishes, Problem uh, food, solving, critical pro- thinking. Yeah, all of those things. Basic human biology. Yep, that, that we... Our, like I said, by the, I mean, you're only talking about when you say 10, 10 years old, you're talking about eight more years and you're, you're expected to essentially uh, be on your own. And, well, that, and, that's the old, like when we were growing up. Well, that was the I would say I would say that that's still the expectation because we as a country are still saying at 18, get your own place, get out. You don't want to follow my I rules. I think that's like grow- going by the it's wayside. It's going more. by the wayside for, among people who can afford it. Oh. It's not going by the wayside if, if you're scrounging daily 
to make ends meet, you need that person to not be a not be eating up all of your money, but to be contributing to the household. Yeah. They need to get a job. Yeah. When I turned 16, I my mom literally gave me two weeks to find a job. Right. I had two weeks to get a job, and then as soon as my first paycheck came, I had to start giving her money as well as buying my own things, paying for my own toiletries and my own groceries and anything for school. That was all my responsibility. I was 16 years old. Yeah. I mean, you you kind of, that's, I mean, that is our expectation is that you're, you've done all that you're going to do as far as learning what you need to know to live. Yes. Now, everything on top of that, if you get to go to, say, community college or university or whatever, all of that is is furthering, but right. you still have the basics. Yes. You can go to college, get have a roommate, maybe have a girlfriend or not. You could find a, a, a part-time job or something yep. or work study. You can manage your time or at least your well on the way to being able to manage your time so that you can get your schoolwork done, you can get your work life done, you can have your fun, you can do all the things that you want to do within your week. That is not a thing that Chinese people are able to do without someone telling them minute by minute what they should be doing. You're right. I don't know how many times we've walked in the mall, we've walked in stores, I've walked by uh teachers in the and because their teacher rooms all have big giant glass windows so you can see them sitting in there herded into little cubicles like cattle and they're sitting on their phones playing games. Yeah. They're not doing any work. They're sitting there getting paid for work, but they're not doing any work. You go to the mall, they're sitting there and they're talking to each other or they're sitting on, you know, they're sitting, sitting, or standing leading, around, or leading. Sleeping. They're not, they're not being productive right. in any way, shape or form because someone didn't come by and say, do this thing. Yes. You see? So yes. that all, that, that mentality starts way back when they're kindergarten first grade yeah you see and that's being perpetuated all the way up and if you don't give these people the freedom starting when they're young to then make decisions for themselves they they apparently do not learn it by the time they're 18 years old. hell these kids never even learn how to dress themselves or how to choose their own clothing because they're given a uniform from preschool all the way up to university. Through university. Through university. So they go to school and they have to wear a uniform this entire time. So when they go into the workplace, they're now wearing inappropriate apparel. You had a teacher who was wearing inappropriate cosplay as oh her, to work. I mean, oh. her, her behind Wait a minute, wait a minute. Up. It wasn't just inappropriate. She was... She was happy about it and bragging that that's what she was wearing. When she bent over, kids got a great view of anatomy. So, yeah, yeah, it's when, when, but 
How do we know how to make certain decisions that are good for us inside of our communities? You have to make mistakes. People have to say something. But if you put saving face on top of all of that, then nobody's going to ever say anything. You see? So then you had, you're, you're kind of stuck. And if your teacher never says anything to you, because you're in a uniform, so what is their teacher going to say? Right. And then your parents aren't parenting. Yep. Well, how? why wouldn't you do cosplay coming to right. teach elementary school students? Japanese manga cosplay. But why wouldn't you do that? Right. I mean, it, it makes, I mean, you're wearing clothes. Oh, God. Or the lady that's at the bus stop at 8 a.m. in a cocktail dress with sparkly shoes getting ready to go to the office and you're looking at her like, honey, you're in the wrong apparel. I mean, we can we can talk about, uh, I don't know what that would be, cross-cultural uh, fashion issues. Because uh, they, they wear all kinds of things that are totally inappropriate for what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. I, I thought of one, I think it was today. Sandals are not work boots. Yeah. You know. Oh, my gosh. What was the rubber? The, what was the rubber loafer thing on the bus? The, the construction oh, guy had the rubber loafer. That was. They look like they looked like penny loafers or whatever. They yeah, looked they did like, look like penny loafers. But they were made out of. It was like they were in. They they. Yeah, I don't know what that was. It was almost like a rain shoe. It was like what? It was like the wellies, like the the rain boots. That material. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what that was. That wasn't a fashion statement. That was some cheap thing that this guy wore to work in. And he was a workman. So he was doing like outside concrete or something. Right, he, he was looked doing like work, he was work. covered in concrete. Yeah, yeah, he was doing... Wearing these really terrible shoes. Yeah, absolutely. He was doing work, work. You know, some heavy duty hard hat type He work. had to look like he wasn't because, you know, he had to have the loafer style shoes yeah, to go pour that. the concrete. But I, you know... That, but they are, we've had, we've had students. I had a, a girl when we were in Ben Shi who, um, she was 15 years old and I, I commented on her shirt. Oh, I like your shirt. And she said, I hate it. And I said, why did you wear it? And she said, because my mother laid it out for me. So that's what I had to wear. Yeah, we'll see. That's... And the fact that this child said that her mother laid yeah. out her clothes well, how, Just how blew old, how my old mind. Was the child? She was fifteen. See, but but wait, I wait, what does that child wear every day? A school uniform. A school uniform. Yeah, but I haven't been able to choose Keegan's clothes for her since she was about fifteen months. That's only because we gave our children choice. We gave them that ability to choose, and we gave them the we made it a right. For them to choose. Yeah. From the time that they were young. Now, that didn't mean that we weren't going to try to dissuade them if we thought that their choice was not a good choice. But they always had the ability to choose. Right. When it came down to, do you want to turn left or turn right? We would let them tell us exactly what they wanted to do. And that might turn into a discussion. Yes. But they learn from a very young age 
not only how to make a choice, but how to think about those choices that they're making, how to consider yes. possible outcomes, yes, and then move forward. So then it was like, okay, you want to cut all your hair off? Are you sure? Yeah, you know that it's it's kind of chilly. Your head's going to get cold until your hair grows back. Are, is this a thing that you really want to do? Yes. Okay, you know your mother is not going to be very happy. <laughs> I was not. Yes, I want to do it. Are you sure? You go through the whole thing. You give them all the sides to it. And when they still come down and they're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, great. Because for me, I don't really care what your head looks like. Right. So then, all right, here we go. You got the big fro. Let's cut it halfway down. You sure you want me to keep going? Yep, keep going. All right. You saw it in the mirror. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. Cut it half of that down. Take a look. You sure that's what you want? Yeah, yeah, cut it. Take it all off. All right. Guard gone. You know, that's what you do. Right, you let you them give make them, the you choices. Give them, you give them the choices. You give them the, the information when they make the choice. But, you know. Yep. You, that, that to me, that is parenting. It is parenting. So, but that's, because, and that's what's missing. But because the adults here have never had a choice. And maybe it comes down to, you know, living in a communist country, but... I don't think it has it. I don't think it has anything to do with communism. I think it has to do with people not trusting that people can make decisions for themselves yes. in their own best interest. Yes. I think that's what it comes yes. down to. So they they be, and that's not just in China. That's all over the place. Yeah, that's true. You know, because in fighting for collaboration and cooperation that's one of the things that you end up fighting is this idea that, oh, someone must be in charge. Right. It's like, no, we don't need a coach. Right. No basketball team actually needs a coach. Nope. They need people who can sit and analyze what's going on. The problem is, in a, like this, in a sports analogy, uh, if, you're, if you're on the court... It might be really hard for you to see the big picture. Right. So you do want somebody that is separated and able to take it all in. But if you're a teacher and you've got a group of teachers, all teachers teaching the same grade, the principal does not come in and tell you guys what to teach, how to teach, and how to manage your classrooms. Ooh, I wish they might. Because they're even though they might have a bird's eye view of what's going on, they really don't know what's going right. on. And it's only the teachers that can sit around a table and say, okay, what do we do with Johnny? Right. Because Johnny is an idiot in all of our classes. How do we help him become a better student? How do we help him? What do we need to do? Do we need to bring in his parents and come up with a plan and then deal with Johnny and Johnny's parents? And maybe then you get the administration involved. Right. You see, that's the piece that's missing. Right. Well, the one day I was in your office and there was a student in there and the parents were talking with your assistant and the student because the student had done something wrong. And the way that the, the student responded to the parent 
the tone that they used and the the level of their voice. Aaron, I'm telling you, my head snapped around so fast. I was expecting to watch the child fly out of the window that he was standing next to because we would never in our wildest dreams speak to our parents that way. But because these children have never been given limitations or boundaries set for them, they just talk any old way. They don't care. Well, some of that, you, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I can't tell you if they, what, what his intent was. And I, I can't can tell, tell you, you well, I can't tell you if, if his tone of voice was matching what we think of as something negative. Listen, I, it, it's not I'm, a lot I of times. I have been here for not. a long time. I can speak some of the language. I've got a pretty good grasp on whether they're angry or not. Sometimes you hear people yelling and you're like, wow, are they fighting? But then you listen for a second or two and you're like, oh, they're just joking around with each other. Yeah, but no, this child, sometimes, the, some, sometimes the, with, with their parents in public, they are very reluctant to doing anything that is stepping out of line. Most of the parent, most of the students never get to that point in public. They might do it in private. They might do it when they think no one else is around and can hear, but they don't do it when other people well, are around. Well, and I think that was a thing. I think that they just expected because I was the only foreigner in the office and it was the two, your assistant and the Chinese head teacher and the parents and the student. I think that they expected I wouldn't understand. I know, but that I'd still I I don't think that oh, Aaron, I'm that, you. that went to that because I, I hear it all the time. And then when you say, what did the person say? It's like, oh, it didn't even match how they sounded. It doesn't right. they don't go together. It's like there just, are times it's you're right disjointed. About that. And so I I would I because a lot of times when they're talking at a student Notice I said talking at, a, at student. a student. When they're talking at students, the student is usually just standing there looking down. Ignoring and, them. No, well, I don't know what the student is thinking about, but they're definitely not responding. Right. They're not engaging. Well, a lot of times what I've noticed is that, and I, because I don't have, Moon is my only teenager. Um, because I don't have a lot of experience with teenagers, I notice that when... A student is in trouble, and the Chinese teachers start and they just ramble on. Just and talk at them. And talk at them, and the kids just zone out. Yep. They don't listen. So, as and now a, imagine that across a 20 to 50 person classroom, and that's what all of them are doing during class. Right. They just zone out. And so, as a foreign teacher, observing this i'm like well that can't you can't be getting anywhere with these kids if they're just zoning out the minute you start ranting on i do it a different way i have a totally different system and therefore i get a different result and usually a much better result when it comes to behavioral issues if the kids can understand me like we when we were in benchy one of the things that i enjoyed the most about teaching at that school was that we had parents in the classroom. The parents would come in, they would sit there during the classes. A lot of the parents or grandparents would study at the same time as their child from the very first level all the way up. But I took it upon myself as a teacher and a mother to then 
open up the floor for discussion with the parents. So I would have parents ask me, um, what do you do if your child refuses to do something? And the first time they said it, I couldn't help but laugh. Like, what do you mean they refuse? If I told them to wash the dishes, they're going to wash the dishes because that's what they've been instructed to do. That it, there isn't an option there. But the fact that I even asked the child to wash the dishes was so mind-blowing for them. You're just a bad parent. <laughs> in China. Because, you know, children can't even carry their own book bag right, in China. Right, right. Yeah, that was really weird when we first came. And I would have the children. We lived in an apartment that was 127 stairs up. And we would have to go get groceries and, you know, laundry detergent and whatever, and then carry it back up those stairs. And so I would have the children get their backpacks and we would put things in their backpacks and then we would be able to carry things up the stairs easily. I can't tell you how many times I was cussed out by the ladies because I was putting things in my seven-year-old backpack so she could then carry it up the stairs. But if Keegan said, Mommy, I want watermelon, fine, Keegan, you can have watermelon, but you have to carry it. Those things are heavy, and I already have all the groceries. And so I would put the watermelon in her bag, and the women would go crazy. But after the first year, it wasn't, it, they, they stopped. They would just give the, the food to the children, put it in their backpacks for them. But they learned, the, the women learned that it was normal for our children. Mm. But for the parents to ask, you know, I would ask the students, do you make your own bed? And they would say no. Do you pick up your own clothes? No, I take them off and throw them on the floor and my mother picks them up. Uh, do you take out the garbage? No, my mother does that. Do you sweep the floor? No, my mother does that. What does your father do? He goes to work. What does your mother do? She goes to work and she takes care of us. What do you do? I go to school. And so when I would look at the mothers and say, how does that fare? How is it fair that you do everything and they do nothing? And of course the mothers didn't want to do everything, but they didn't know another way. Right. So I would say in my household, my husband washes the laundry. And he mops the floor and the children take out the garbage and they have to wash the dishes like they rotate a day. They make their own beds. We put away our own clothes. They, they clean their rooms. It was completely mind boggling for them that we would give our children responsibility at such a young age. Imagine that. Right. But I had to explain to them that if we did not teach these things to our children and they could not capably take care of themselves, successfully take care of themselves, by the time they graduated from high school, we failed as parents. Right. Well, that's our, but that is, that is I say it is currently and it was in the past, essentially the line of demarcation. You're a child till you turn 18. Once you turn 18, you're now an adult. You can uh, get a job. You can have a, own a car. You can rent an apartment. You can do all of these things. Um, you can go into the army. You can go to prison. You know, 
Well, you can go to prison at any age. Right, but you're um, tried as an adult. But I mean, it's it's we have that in our head as the time of life when they must be ready. They must be ready by then. Whereas, you know, here, they have a much longer view. Right. A person doesn't need to be ready at 18. They, they should be focusing on study, study, study until they get out of university if they can go. You know, that's where, that that's what they should be doing. And when they get out of university, they need to go to work. Why? And they need to find a spouse. And then they have to find a spouse. And then they're still not ready. I, you know, I, I always joke with the guy I work with and it's like, I, you need a girlfriend. He's like, well, I don't want to get married. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, why would you need to get married? I say you need a girlfriend. You need someone that, you know, you need to find out more about yourself, more about women, more about like your interactions with women. Because you have no concept of those things right now. And until you, and this is somebody who's gone through, you know, junior high, high school and university and has never dated. Nope. You know, so. He's never touched the butt. So, I mean, if you, if, you know, if that's how you've lived, how are you going to be ready? And of course, you know, he's got parents that are saying, you know, hey, you need to go get married. You know, and it's just like, how do you just go get married? Well, what I they mean, do is they find some girl that they know or some co-worker's daughter and then they set them up and within two or three months, they're expected to be engaged. I mean, I under- I get that. I get the arranging side of it. That's not that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at the fact that the person, these two people are now ill-equipped to be married and they're ill-equipped to be parents. Yeah. You've got both things happening at the same time and the expectation will be that they push out a child Within a year. very quickly yep. after getting married. Yep. They have one year of being married before they're expected to start trying to get pregnant. Because so, I mean, it's just not the, the system itself. I mean, it's great, I guess, you know, for the people that run marriages in China and run, you know, it's great for the getting of the license or whatever. And, you know, the all the money, all that yeah. has to go into it. And then on the on the left, on the other side of that, that all the divorces that are starting to happen. Right, Divorces in China are really, really on the rise and they're super simple to get. Yes, but they're also, they don't really have divorce law. So well, they haven't defined right. what that even means because they're still looking at it like, oh, you're a person and you have your belongings and that's a person and they have their belongings and you can actually separate with no connection between the person, right. the, the other person. Well, if there's children involved, the father owns the child. Yeah, there's that the too. mother is allowed to keep the child until they're about seven, unless the father gives her more time. Some, If it's a girl, usually they get until the age of 13, but boys, it's usually around seven. And then the father takes possession of the, the child. It's kind of, it's kind of messy. And bye-bye mommy. I mean, if you're a, if you're a, a, somebody who wants to be a divorce lawyer, I mean, this is Wild Wild West territory up in here. You could definitely enjoy yourself. Well, heck, Elaine's, Elaine's cousin, uh, 
she divorced her husband and then remarried him and then now they're divorced again and it like the divorce only takes like 30 minutes you go in you say we want divorce you sign the papers you pay the money and out you go i mean essentially that's what our divorce is yeah but it takes months no, for us to to get take, the paperwork it does processed not take months it doesn't it takes months to get a court date. Yeah. But that's not you doing anything. That's but just they waiting. don't even need a court that, date. They just go just, to the lawyer's that's office. That's just, uh, but I, I didn't, I'm just saying that for us, it is not hard to get a divorce. It's a matter of filing paperwork, that, pap that paperwork going through running its course inside of the government, whatever that is for that, lo for that locality. Right. And then, um, them giving you a court date. And right. essentially, you walk in and you walk out divorced. Yeah. So as long as there's no, you're not contesting anything or you 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 don't have anything else. I mean, if you know, if you're, if you have no property and you've agreed to everything and you tell the judge that yes, we agree on all the stuff that we have in front of you, it's like okay, bye bye. Right. Now. Then you get the other side of it where a divorce could last years. Right. You know, because you're working out all these, you know, little details and children and land and money and blah, 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 blah. So, but I mean, to get divorced, honestly, there isn't anything to that. I mean, it's, it takes as long, it literally takes as long as it did to get married. Right. Because they don't even have a ceremony. They go in and they sign a paper and a book and... They get a new book and bam, they're done. Yeah. So for us, I, I would say for both cultures, it's really not that different. It's just thought of differently. Uh, it's become acceptable in the States. It's not acceptable here. It's a still a almost a taboo type situation where people don't even tell their parents that they have gotten divorced or they yeah, moved yeah. out and all, well, all that kind of stuff. So there's depends. those things are there. It depends on how much money the parent was well, paid. It just doesn't matter. The, the idea of the person of two people that weren't ready for weren't even ready to get married right now have children between them but now they're gonna they don't even like each other they don't even want to be around each other but they're forced to be in a marriage based on their parenting their parents right. and then you end up wanting to separate but then you can't even tell the people that you've separated and you're living in two different buildings and then when the people come around you go and act like you live together i mean that kind of thing well yeah. that's just psycho but it happens every day. Well, well it might, heck, we, it might happen all the time, but it's psycho, and that's that. It's it's a symptom of a much larger problem of parenting, starting back when that person and those people were very young. Right. I mean, look at look at Linda for example. She got married. She really wanted to get married. She and her her husband had been together a couple of years. They got married. She was forced to have the baby. They had their own apartment. But when that baby was born, Linda then had to move in with her parents so that the parents could take care of the baby. And the husband moved in with his parents. And once a week, they would go and meet at their apartment to have time together. Because they weren't capable of being parents on their own, so they had to go home and live with their parents. It's a big problem. And they will they will continue to live that way until the little girl goes to school. 
Yeah, because once she goes to school, she's not coming back until Saturday. Well, and then she, they don't usually board the kids. You don't know what they're doing now. True. Because this type of education and this type of schools are popping up everywhere. These for-profit schools yeah. are popping up everywhere. So, and they're, you know, they're offering and they're saying, oh, we've got, you know, foreigners teaching and blah, blah, blah. And we can make it so your children can go abroad easily. There's, there's, that is sometimes there. But, I mean, the point is the schools are then boarding first through yeah. high school. Yeah. They're boarding all of them and trying to control everything that these kids are doing and may or may not be doing a very good job of it. They aren't doing a good job. All right. I think that's enough for today. It looks like we're... We're around our, our mark. We do want to tell everybody about our our new development. Um, we we have our blog site is live. So if you're listening to this, you you probably uh, have found us there. Um, if you don't know what it is. <laughs> It is the traveling bars at uh, blueberry.net. That's blueberry, no E's. And then we have an email address. If you want to send us something, you have some questions, some concerns, uh, or just want to, you know, say hi. Um, you can get us at travelingfars at gmail.com. And you can find us on the Facebooks. Yes, we're on the Facebook. We're on the Facebooks. And um, just find us under the Traveling Fars. Uh, we'll have some uh, stuff on there for people to see. We'll be posting all the time. Um, once the kids get back, we'll, they will be a part of the stuff. And we'll link up the things that they've been doing while they were gone. And, and bring them in so that they can enjoy uh, talking to you guys, too. So... Uh, no Twitter or Instagram yet, but we're working on it. Just need to get my VPN back running. Yes, we'll talk doing. about the VPN one day, I think. I'm sure everybody's really interested in the VPN side of things. Right, how are you living in China? Especially since they Facebook. just banned and cut out a lot of stuff. Uh, nerds are talking about that left and right online. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting topic over the next year. I have a feeling that... Uh, now that we've paid for our VPN, we'll have a hard time using it. Okay. So <laughs> I hope not. That's it for us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Bye, people.